Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds podcast. It's just me today. Conflicting schedules has uh, left you just one singular host for the day. I am Matt, as always. I'm going to be breaking down the minor league players of the week yet again. This will be the second time we have done this segment. We're going to go over some quick and out-of-the-gate high performers. Possibly is it time to sell them? Is it possibly time to hold them and look for even a brighter future? We will go over a few names. Justin Steele is one of those names. We do have a couple injuries to talk about. Mason Miller did finally incur the injury bug. This was something I was expecting. Very unfortunate. Not necessarily happy about this. He was off to a very nice start. We'll talk about Bryce Miller's hot start as well. And then wrapping it up for the day, we will be talking about the impact of the pitch clock and individuals that have struggled with it so far. One of those being Alec Manoa. Did have an okay start today. It is Tuesday the 9th, so we will discuss that start, discuss his start to the season, and we will break down everything else for you. Coming up now. So kicking things off today, we're going to talk about the minor league players of the week. This is the prospect team of the week by MLB.com. Starting off, we have a returner to the list, Dylan Diggler. This is the Tigers' number 14th rated prospect. He was 9 for 18 this week in five games in AA. Yuri, we talked a little bit about him Last week, if I remember correctly, he is the catcher of the future for the Detroit Tigers. Very fun prospect, has a good amount of power, is looking to have a good season at AA, probably promoted to AAA this season. Moving over to first base, we have Logan Davidson for the A's, number 24th overall prospect. Homered three times in four games in AA this current week, so he ranks in at first base as the player of the week. Moving over to second base, we have Matt McClain. Big-time production in AAA right now. He has nine home runs on the season. He's the fifth-rated prospect right now for the Reds. He was on fire this past week, 11 for 25, also hit for the cycle. We will talk about the Reds in just a minute, kind of breaking down our expectations for what their infield is going to look like. They have CES. They obviously have EDC as well. Some fun nicknames that we've given these guys as well as the industry. But again, McLean is looking very, very good this year at age 23 in AAA. Moving over to third base, Jordan Westberg, the Orioles' fifth-rated prospect, is continuing his hot start to the season. He had a three-homer week with a 1.189 OPS for AAA Norfolk. This is the third baseman of the future for the Orioles, not necessarily a Jordan Walker-level prospect, but someone that's going to be a solid starter for you. I think I would comp him to a Anthony Rendon in regards to probably high-end production that you can get for him. You know, He does have that potential to be top-five third base, at least one of his seasons in the big leagues moving on to shortstop we have marcelo meyer highly touted draft pick for the boston red sox and he is their top prospect currently he ended up having three home runs with 12 rbis and going 16 for 31 in high a greensville he is looking to get that promotion to possible double a this season you obviously saw his counterpart jordan lawler moved up to double a so there is a little bit of more of aggression from the arizona diamondbacks organization on the Lawler note, he did have a home run today that was 471 feet to center field. Has been struggling, though. Precursor to that home run, he was 1 for 21. So there has been some adjustments for him, and I expect to see him kind of figure that out in Double A. Coming in in the outfield, we have Justin Durden. Uh, if I remember correctly, this is an Astros prospect. Yes, it is. He had four home runs, 15 RBIs in five games. Very nice, big-time power. A lot of comps in my world to a Seth Beer. Um, kind of defensively out of place in the outfield. We would have to look at his scouting report, but four home runs, does have the power, has the nice beard, is a little bit older 
playing at his level. So I think we could see him possibly promoted very soon for the Astros. Moving on, next outfield position, we have Jordan Beck. This is Rocky's number ninth overall prospect. Had four home runs in five games, batted 476 in high A. Jordan Beck, a very nice player. He was added to my dynasty watch list this week. Um, it's kind of surprising the Rockies have a few names that I'm actually really, really encouraged by. And I think we'll start doing organizational reports very soon here on the show once we have Richie back. Kind of breaking down some names that maybe aren't on the top 100. But Jordan Beck did have a very nice week for the Rockies. We have Ethan Wilson coming in for the Phillies, number 14th rated overall prospect. Went 12 for 25 with three home runs, 11 RBIs for double-A Redding. Very nice week for Ethan. Coming in from the left side for pitcher Joey Cantillo, uh, Guardian is number 17th prospect, spun a jam, 13 strikeouts, and allowed just one hit in five scoreless frames. Very nice for performance. This is double-A performance. Something we're going to have to talk about, and I want to do a little research on, double-A supposedly has messed around with the ball, um, allowing better grip. Something I was just notified of this week. I want to look a little bit more into that and have information for you next show. The reason I bring it up is because if you remember Tanner Bybee also having an incredible uh, performance, excuse me, Andrew Abbott having an incredible performance in double-A to start the year with massive strikeout numbers. There may be something to that, and if that is the case and they are changing the ball just a little bit down there, this could be in retaliation to sticky stuff and hopefully giving the pitchers away to possibly have a better grip. Um, as we've seen in the past, they have been trying to do special things in the minor leagues to essentially, you know, allow to see if they would play well in the big leagues. We saw that with the bases. We saw that with the pitch clock. The ball could be next. Next on the list, we have Kumar Rocker. Rocker's been flying up prospect boards this year so far, having better control. Rocker, ninth overall prospect in the Rangers organization, struck out eight, allowed just one hit and six scoreless frames. He is in high A. So again, for the age, for his ability and pedigree coming out of Vanderbilt, could be a situation where he's just pitching to lower tier and lower quality hitters. I would like to see him bump to double A, see how he performs there. Uh, for the relief, we have Sean Reynolds. Four no-hit innings of relief. Marlins 25th overall prospect. Struck out six batters across those three innings. And that wraps our prospect of the week yet again. So we briefly spoke on this kind of to start the show while as we were talking about McLean. We want to kind of dive really quickly into the Reds' future projection for their infield. Obviously having a lot of prospects in CES. Jonathan India, former Rookie of the Year. Then we have EDC, possibly at third. That's Ellie De La Cruz. And then we talked about McLean winning the spot this week in Player of the Week and Prospects of the Week, as well as having Steer currently up at the Major League level. There's a lot of different pieces and moving pieces within this Reds infield. And I think what we're really starting to look at and kind of see how it shapes up is, hey, there's great talent and they need to get these guys to the major leagues. And I think we're going to start seeing that over the next month. Richie brought up to me today in a text regarding the Super 2, and if it's still active, my understanding it is active, so we could see these promotions happen in June. Um, I think CES is probably one of the first ones to to get promoted, that is. Encarnacio Strand having the power, having the three-home run game just last week. Uh, I think he's probably slated for either DH or first base. I think the Reds are waiting for Joey Votto to come back and to see exactly what's happening there before they make that adjustment as well. I think Jonathan India is pretty much locked into that second base role. I, I don't think we're going to see anything um, change in that regard since he did win rookie of the year, struggled in 2022, has rebounded in 2023 to have a really nice start to the year. Um, and then we have Ellie De La Cruz. Obviously, the immense tools will be slotted in at third base. He may end up moving to the outfield, but right now I think the Reds want to keep him on the infield. 
McLean going to be their shortstop of the future unless anything drastic changes. I think Novel Marte may have something to say about that, but Marte is at least a season, season and a half away from the major leagues, and he very well could turn into a super utility guy if he cannot get his strikeout rate contained. And then again, you have Steer, Votto possibly slated slash sharing that DH role with Encarnacio Strand. But a very exciting middle infield for the Reds. We just wanted to highlight that because, again, you have a few names in CES as well as McLean doing really, really well in the minor leagues with the expectation of promotions. And I think this will be the time this season to watch this Reds team as, as summer heats up, really explode, and to see some of these minor leaguers become major leaguers, have big-time impact in your lineups because we know Great American Ballpark plays so heavily in the favor of the hitters. Real quick here, I want to touch on a few of the leaders in minor league baseball right now. Uh, Christopher Momol did get the promotion, does have 11 home runs in AAA, finally got the call back to the big leagues. We could see him providing value at a number of different positions, outfield, second base. I think he can play short as well as third. Uh, Mark Vientos still at 11 home runs, batting 339 for Syracuse. I think the Mets, as we've talked about before, have a logjam at that position. There is concerns with the strikeouts, obviously. Can he continue to do what he's doing at the minor leagues at the major league level? So far, 29 strikeouts in 32 games for AAA Syracuse. Again, that's my concern with Mark Vientos. We talked about Matt McLean a little bit earlier. He's now at 10 home runs, 33 RBIs. Also a bit of a strikeout concern, 29 in 33 games, batting 339 as well with an OPS over 1,100. Big-time production there. Again, strikeout concerns. Moving on to the Pacific Coast League. We have Joe Adele still absolutely tearing it up with 13 home runs. You know, strikeouts, obviously another concern here, 44 strikeouts in 32 games. That's something that we've been monitoring all season, something I think we continue to see as things move forward. Big name I wanted to highlight for you is Hunter Goodman, uh, nine home runs, batting 284. This was a name that I think we could actually see come up and provide value this season. This is a Colorado Rockies AA affiliate player. He is 23 years old. The power is there. I think the opportunity could also be there in Colorado, and he could play really, really well with his numbers in Colorado. Unlike Zach Bean, who's going to be a contact first guy, speed, elevated tool, Goodman is going to have the power tool. And 102 at-bats this season, nine home runs, OPS over 1,000. I think he needs to see the bump to AAA, see that production continue to increase, and we very well could see him end of the season, August, September, providing big-time value in fantasy as a late-season pickup. Definitely Hunter Goodman, a name to keep an eye on. One more name that has caught my eye as I've gone through the list this week. Uh, Eston Kierstad continues to play very, very well. 24 games, 8 home runs, only 17 strikeouts, batting 298. Again, he's 24 years old. I expect a promotion to AAA very, very soon. You know, this is the individual we've talked about multiple times that has lost a few years due to the mondrochiaritis. I butchered that. Um, due, due to COVID and heart issues regarding that. Second overall draft pick in the 2020 draft. So again, we have the, the potential talent there. But this also, like Goodman, could be a late season call up for the Orioles that could see immense value in fantasy, whether he's playing in the outfield or possibly at first base, as the industry standards have expected. Uh, another real name that I like to see, Cole Keith. This is going to be a Detroit Tigers prospect, 27 games, uh, 21 years old. He is six uh, six two, about 210. So he's got the body and the frame. Five home runs and 114 at-bats, 272 average. Definitely a player we want to monitor the rest of the season. Third base and its prospect pool has been light over the last couple seasons. We're looking for individuals to make a big impact, especially in dynasty leagues. I think Cole Heath could be the guy. Um, again, though, Detroit has had struggles developing their minor league players. That would be my concern. I want to see what he's able to do in 
couple more things for you today as we wrap up this, sh- this short episode. Wanted to highlight a couple of the players that are performing at an immense value so far this season from the pitching ranks. A couple of guys that I believe in, a couple of guys that I do not. Starting that off is Mitch Keller. It finally looks like Mitch Keller has fallen into form in his prospect pedigree of the years and years of rostering him and being let down. I think we're finally seeing the version we had all hoped for. 49 innings. We so far have 56 uh, strikeouts to 14 walks and a 2.72 ERA with a 1-1-1 whip. Mitch Keller looks to have finally geared it in. If you look at his last three games, he had a 10-strikeout performance against the Dodgers while only allowing two runs in six innings. Against Tampa, he had eight strikeouts, five hits, one earned run in five innings. And this past start, Colorado Rockies, he went a complete game shutout, no runs, eight Ks, four hits, dominant performance. Definitely the performance we've been looking for from Mitch Keller for years. I am looking to hold Mitch Keller. I'm looking to possibly buy him if there are teams that are not fully believing in his ability. But this is something we have seen and projected for Mitch Keller for years. It just hasn't uh, performed with the overall production. It's very exciting to see him. Next name on the list, Justin Steele. We've talked about Justin a few times on the podcast this year. He's had a very lucky strength of schedule. If you look at his last five games, he had the Dodgers, which was a very difficult uh, outing. Did perform well. Eight strikeouts, two earned runs. And on the 19th of April, he had Oakland, six innings, one earned run, five Ks, followed up by San Diego, no runs, five Ks. And then he's pitched twice against Miami, uh, respectively two earned runs in his first start, six innings, seven innings in his next start, one earned run, three strikeouts, four strikeouts. I am selling Justin Steele. Um, There was a big inconsistency in what I had saw in Graham Ashcraft's numbers with his underlying numbers. I'm seeing less of that from Steele. Steele is performing Obviously, over his uh, underlying numbers here, but he's at a current 1-4-5 ERA. I'm not buying that that's what he's going to do the rest of the season. I do think he's a 3-2-5, 3-5 ERA guy. He's a two-pitch pitcher. He's done very, very well minimizing hard contact so far this season. I think we're going to start to see the regression kick in. If you've got him, trade him. Right now, he's a top-five pitcher in almost any fantasy league. I think there's immense upside there in regards to what you can get back for him. I think in Dynasty Leagues, you could very well go out and trade him for a Mitch Keller plus, and I think that's an absolute slam dunk. Justin Steele's had an incredible start to the season, but I am encouraging a sell on him as it currently stands. Next on the list is Bryce Elder for the Braves. 41 innings uh, pitched so far this season. He is 3-0 with 36 Ks, 13 walks, and a 1.74 ERA. Just taking a quick look at his numbers, he has had a good matchup so far this season. Uh, Kansas City, Houston, Miami, Miami, Baltimore. None of the strikeout performances obviously jump out to you. He is less than uh, a K per inning. It looks like he's sitting at around six or seven Ks per nine. ERA is obviously at an incredible point. Dynasty League, you know, redraft league. This is another player I'm looking to go out and move before regression kicks in. His next game is against the Blue Jays on Sunday. Uh, Very good lineup, obviously. You could be looking for a first regression type game from him on Sunday. That lineup is very deadly and has been scoring runs at will lately. I think this is the week you want to move Elder. There is obviously question marks with that Braves rotation. You know, does Soroka come back? Who gets bumped for Soroka if he is the guy that's coming up in the next month? I think now's the time to sell Elder while you have the opportunity. Next on the list, Mackenzie Gore. Obviously had a great start to the season last year. I think we talked about Gore last week. Had a really nice game against Arizona on the six six innings pitched. He did have eight hits, two earned runs, nine Ks. Did allow a home run. He is allowing about a home run every outing so far. In 37 innings, he has 48 strikeouts. He has a 3.65 ERA. 
I think this is what Mackenzie Gore is going to be. You have to be mindful as well. He's playing for a very bad team. So I think in Dynasty Leagues, what you're doing is holding, you're possibly buying. I don't think we've seen numbers from him that would encourage an owner to uh, put down the locks and, and strap him into the rotation. I think this could be a guy that you could still buy. He faces the Mets this coming Friday. This should be another good game for him to showcase you what he has. He did have 10 strikeouts last time he played New York. So look for a possible good outing from Mackenzie Gore. Last name I wanted to touch on today before we move on to the final topic, which is pitch clock, is Bryce Miller. Bryce Miller was a name that Richie and I had talked about this past offseason. He was an individual that I definitely wanted to grab in my dynasty league and just did not have the opportunity with roster space. And we all know how that goes. You know, buyer's remorse when you're unable to grab a guy and he comes up and performs really well. And that is exactly what Bryce Miller has done. Obviously, his first game with Oakland had a lot of notoriety to it. That was six innings, one earned run, two hits, 10 strikeouts. We wanted to see what he did in his next lineup. Uh, rotation start, that was against Houston. That was this week, six innings, another two hits allowed. Great performance, only one walk. A concern that I had with him was that walks were coming. Only had five strikeouts. The concern for me with Bryce Miller right now is seven swinging strikes this past game. Um, seven whiffs, excuse me. And it was all on the fastball. We need to see more of a development from Bryce Miller in the secondary pitches. His slider does rate above average. Uh, Changeup does not. But I do like both of those pitches. My concern with Miller is as soon as the league starts to understand him and the book gets out, he will start to get hit hard. Also, control. Control has always been an issue for Miller. I think at some point that will creep back. But so far, we've seen incredible results. And with everything that I just said, I would be absolutely selling high on Bryce Miller, even in Dynasty right now. I think his upside is of a rotation three. Obviously, we've seen RP or excuse me, starting pitching one performances from him so far. But again, sample size is very small, and I don't think the league has the understanding of the scouting report to really go into a game properly against him. But from the eye test, I do love what I'm seeing. So I'm pushing sell. It's a hard push for me because again, the eye test is more important than me for me sometimes than the underlying numbers. But after tracking Miller throughout his minor league career, it's just not lining up with what I'm seeing in the major leagues. And I have to assume that the track record is actually more predominant of what's the case for projecting him forward than what his last two starts in the big leagues have been. Um, but I have loved watching him so far. Again, if you're in Dynasty, I would look to sell him and sell him for as much as you possibly can. He will play Detroit on Saturday. So if you want to hold and have him pitch yet another good game, I think we could see that. It is at Detroit. Now, be mindful, Detroit has started to catch a little bit of fire, as much fire as the Detroit Tigers can have in their bats, I think they have right now. So he actually could run into a very interesting matchup, and it could get a loss there. But possibly wait to sell him, but sell him in the next week if you can, because I think there is immense return to be had. Last quick conversation I wanted to have today is on the pitch clock. Alec Modoa did come out this week or last week and have a conversation about how the pitch clock is really messing with his overall repertoire and his performance. And if you look at Manoa's numbers from last year to this year, you obviously see a very drastically different pitcher. Manoa last year was a top 20. This year he is struggling to get through games, uh, struggling to get through and to the sixth inning. If you look at his last five starts, Tampa on the 16th, four and two thirds, the Yankees, which he always pitches well against. I've said this on the show a lot of times, um, seven innings, no runs, five Ks, one walk, just pitches well against the Yankees. Uh, Seattle on the 28th, he had five innings. Four walks, two earned runs, seven Ks. Boston on the third, five innings, eight hits, two runs, one walk, three Ks. Strikeouts just haven't been there. And then today against the Phillies, four and two-thirds, four hits, three earned runs, four walks, one strikeout, one home run. Just hasn't been good for Manoa. On the season, 36 innings, 31 Ks, 21 walks, and a 4-7-1 ERA. He has definitely struggled mightily. 
And he came out this week and just basically said the pitch clock has been very hard for him to navigate. You know, he cannot get his, he cannot catch his breath. He cannot control the tempo of the game. And it brought up an interesting topic for Richie and I to discuss in regards to like, well, is it because he's, you know, a little bit larger of a, of a pitcher? And if you think about some of the issues CC Sabathia ran into years ago, it was stamina and it was the ability to get through a game. It wasn't necessarily always his ability to pitch. And so we kind of hypothesize how many other players are there that, you know, maybe struggling with the same issue that Manoa is. And Lance Lynn was a name that caught our eye. Lance Lynn, if you remember, had a, a, a pretty good end of his season after coming back from injury last year. But his 2023 has not been a representation of who he was. 39 innings, 50K, so the strikeouts are still there. But a 6.86 ERA has really bit into his ability. If you look at his last five starts, Minnesota on the 11th, he gave up three runs with 10K. So the strikeouts were there. Philadelphia, five and one third on the 18th. Gave up five runs, seven strikeouts in that performance. Toronto on the 24th, five innings, four Ks, four runs. Tampa on the 29th, six innings, 10 Ks, four runs. And then Cincinnati this past week, six and two thirds, four runs, eight Ks. So he, unlike Manoa, has been able to go a little bit deeper into games, but is giving up the runs. Him and Manoa are definitely guys that I want to keep my eye on the rest of the season, see if they can start to kind of take to this pitch clock, start to control their bodies a little bit, get their breath under them and start to pitch deeper into games. I think in Lance Lynn's case, though, it's more or less limiting the damage, getting that ERA from a 6.86 down to the fours, possibly even into the high threes, could make him a guy that I want to buy high on, uh, buy low on right now because I definitely believe in regression, but I also believe in positive regression, and I just can't believe that Lance Lynn is going to be a 7 ERA guy all season. The strikeouts are there. That's really, that's really encouraging for me, and the walks haven't been that terrible. He's only at 15 in about 40 innings, and if you look at his last five games, the most walks he's had in the game were three. That was against Toronto and Philly. So unlike Manoa, I think I am buying Lancelin. I have to believe in the veteran presence. I have to believe that he can make adjustments as the league has adjusted with the pitch clock. Um, and then, you know, we will have some other names for you as Richie and I dive into this deeper. But two guys that we can definitely highlight right now that have struggled with the new rules. All right. As I said, this was going to be a, a shorter show for us today. That's all I have for you. Next week, I am moving, so we may also have another short show. I may do an individual show. I uh, have a little bit more for you, hopefully prepared. Today was kind of just off the cuff, kind of catching you up on minor league baseball and kind of catching you up on what's going on um, around the league. Again, sell high, Justin Steele. Sell high, Bryce Miller. If you can get those deals done this week, I do encourage you to get them done. If you had Graham Ashcraft, you saw that window quickly slip away from you with the injury as well as the massive run production that he gave up this past week. So you may have missed your window. Don't miss your window on these guys. Thank you again for tuning in, everyone. We will catch you next time.